2: When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Let's start this podcast with a question. Are you working to live or living to work? If you're
3: coming home from work and you're taking two hours to decompress from work, you're not making a
2: living, you're making a dying. Don't get me wrong. I'm someone who loves my job and when I spoke to teachers Amy and Rory, it seemed like they do too. Agreed.
0: I mean, teaching is a great vocation, but it's very all-encompassing. It is all or nothing.
2: But when faced with the prospect of having to work into their late 60s. I
3: personally can't imagine going in age 68 and taking a register in
2: the morning. That just does not fit with, with what I want. I'm pretty sure this is a feeling lots of us can relate to. When I think about the next two or three decades of my life, do I want to keep writing about and speaking to people about their personal finances? Honestly, yes. But do I want to be nearing my 70s and not even be able to work less if I want? Well, that's a bit of a no-brainer. So what if I told you that Amy and Rory had found an alternative?
0: It is about freedom. It's about the choice to do what we want to do with the time
2: that we've got. And no, this alternative is not winning the lottery or landing a six-digit salary for a few years. Their alternative is FIRE.
1: So FIRE is an acronym that stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. That's Pete Adeney, or as he is better known, Mr Money Moustache. He's one
2: of FIRE's most famous proponents, and his blog is kind of a cornerstone of the FIRE community.
1: The basic idea is that starting uh, as early in life as you happen to get the idea, you start getting more conscious about your spending choices, which means you can keep a lot more of the money for yourself and invest it. And what happens is if you're fortunate enough and work at it enough, then you can end up not having to work for a living much earlier than the standard plan. So for me, that that number ended up being about 30 years old that I was able to quit working in any sort of regular job.
2: I'll be getting a full FIRE demonstration from Mr Money Mustache later in the episode. And I'll also be delving into the online FIRE community with the moderator of the FIRE UK subreddit thread, here to tell me his take on financial independence. So let's get this fire started. Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast about personal finance and investing from the Financial Times. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's consumer editor.
3: So, something like four years ago, we heard about fire and we just thought that it was a bit extreme, it wasn't really what we were looking for. thought it would be we would be being very frugal very cheap Mm. um, and it just didn't fit our image of our life.
0: Yeah it it seemed a bit like a subsistence really is that you paid your food you paid your bills and that was it and you just carried on living.
3: Yeah sitting in the dark with uh, no tv or something.
0: Yeah which I know is a bit of an extreme example but that's how we saw it and we thought no it's not us We, we like a bit of luxury in our life so.
2: Like Rory and Amy when I first heard about fire I kind of had the same reaction. I mean, it's all very well and good retiring early, but you also want to be able to spend a bit of money to enjoy life in the years before that day comes, right? So what made them change their minds? We came back to it in a roundabout way. We'd
3: been paying off some debts and as we were doing that, we came across
2: quite a lot of podcasts. Amy and Rory did their research, checking in on how they would fare in retirement with their current savings rate. We saw a free pensions
3: advisor who advised us on how much we would get in retirement. And the numbers that he gave us were for age 60 and age 65 and age 68. And I think that was a bit of
2: a wake-up call for us. Realising that if they stayed on the path they were on, they would still be in the classroom well into their 60s, this made the couple spring into action and get started on their fire journey. So what does that actually mean for their lifestyle? Well, firstly, they save a lot of their take-home pay. We aim for about 50% savings rate, don't we? Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Um, Depending on the month. Some months we've had, obviously, higher and some have been lower, depending on um,
2: what else has been happening that month. To hit that level of savings, they budget carefully and really think about what they spend. One of the main areas they've saved on is their food bill. Now they use a food waste app called Olio to get the most out of their weekly shop. We've gone from spending £800 a month on food to we're now keeping it under £100 a month. In addition to cutting down on costs, the couple are paying in the maximum to their teachers' pensions at work, sensible as they benefit from employer contributions and tax relief, which boosts the money they pay in. And they are overpaying their mortgage we're overpaying on the mortgage hopeful plan is to get it paid off within about 15 years um all going well as well as their main jobs they also have side hustles valuable extra income streams amy is a tutor and rory
0: yeah so for me i i tutor but i also then teach bridge online as well
2: you teach bridge wow this is this this teaching bug has got hold
0: of you rory yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's nice to, to give back knowledge and to, uh, and to let your students grow, really. That's why I, I do that as well. And the income does help.
2: They also have a stocks and shares ISA, invested in a range of low-cost funds known as trackers, as they track the performance of different stock markets around the world. By diversifying their investment across thousands of different companies in many different countries, the couple hope to spread their risks. And over the long term... The low fees on tracker funds will not eat into their investment returns so much. All of the money that they get from their side hustles goes straight into their ISA. Why do you funnel all your side hustle money away into the stocks and shares ISA? What makes you do that?
3: We didn't want to um, have any lifestyle inflation, so we have a we have a very nice life. We're very comfortable and. We realized that actually we were getting a little too comfortable. Um, we'd we'd increased how much we were spending on pretty much everything. Um, and it, it took the pandemic for us to realize that that just wasn't what we wanted. There was no good reason why we were spending so much money on food and days out and takeaways.
2: I just want to emphasise here that teaching salaries in the UK are famously not particularly generous. So if Rory and Amy are managing to save half of that, that is very impressive. And there's something else I haven't told you about this early 30s couple yet. They have a two-year-old son. That means paying for childcare, an extra mouth to feed and... He will be going through private school, so that is something that we are having to budget for. Oh, okay. Well, that's an interesting one. Uh, That obviously more expensive, but something that you think is a worthwhile investment? The opportunities
3: that he will get from the music, the sport, the extracurricular, and just the all-round kind of pastoral care is what I want for him. You always kind of think, yes, we'll go with, with state education. And then it's It's until it's your child and you want the absolute best for them. Mm. And if that means budgeting for, for school fees, then that's something we'll do. Yeah.
2: At this point in my conversation with Amy and Rory, I was thinking, how on earth are they going to do it? I mean, they're both on teacher salaries. Yes, they're frugal, but they have a child. They go out to the cinema. They even pay for a cleaner. And they are planning on saving private school fees on top. I mean, their life sounds pretty normal, not as radically abstemious as I would have imagined from a couple pursuing fire. So how are they making it work? How much money are they aiming to have saved up before they can retire early? Well, the couple have come up with two numbers, a lower estimate, known as lean fire, or a higher estimate, their fat fire. The first one is basically... um
3: where we can retire, but we're still going to be working six months of the year, doing part-time work all the time. Uh, And that was 360,000, which is a, a much more realistic number. And then we also had a look at something called our fat fire number, which is where we would never have to work a day again in our life. If we didn't want to, it would be completely up to us. We could travel, Basically, it's you're in a bit of a luxury retirement and that for us is
2: 750,000. We'll come back to this idea of a fire number in a bit. But first, which of the two do you you think you're going to go for at this stage? For me, I'm more comfortable with the second number
3: because I don't like the thought of having to run out of money at age 58 and have to go back to work.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think the the first number, the the three, six, uh 360,000 is, is kind of keeping me going in teaching at the moment. Teaching is a, it is a difficult profession. Um even and with the pandemic it's only gotten harder. And I think having that option to be able to say actually frontline teaching, I th- I think I'm, I'm okay now. I'll I'll do something that I enjoy or a passion project. Uh, you know, maybe go work in a library for full time, who knows. Um but just just to do some nice, you know, nice work that I'm enjoying and that I'm passionate about, other than teaching, um, is nice to have that option.
2: We're getting to the part of the podcast now where I say to you, what would you like me to go and find out from our um, two incredible experts who we've got lined up?
3: Quite like to know if our 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 fire number, our fat fire number, especially the seven hundred and fifty thousand, whether or not that is accurate. And I suppose the same for our lean fine number, will we be able to survive and not have to go back to work on 360000
0: Or if we do have to work, that we're able to live comfortably off maybe a part-time job and the money coming from our ISIS?
3: Should we be aiming to um, kind of burn through our fire pots? before um we need long-term care or is that something that i should be budgeting for
2: sure okay a great question and anything else
0: so while we're young we wondered if it was possible to move into a higher paying profession um in order to then retire earlier than we are already um with a bit of retraining uh, that might need to be done
3: or should we stay in teaching and has the nice holidays and work-life balance.
2: After speaking to Rory and Amy, there was one person at the very top of my FIRE list who I wanted to talk to about this. Mr Money Moustache. He is kind of the godfather of FIRE. He didn't invent it, but his blog is one of the primary resources that people turn to when they set out on their FIRE journey. The 46-year-old retiree ditched his job as a software engineer 16 years ago. That's right. He fired age 30. I got him on the line from his Colorado home.
1: I was always just a natural optimizer as a kid. And I wanted to um, make the most of my earnings. Of course, originally what that meant would be saving up my money from cutting lawns and washing parents' cars. And then I would like blow it all on like a stereo system or a dirt bike motorcycle. But uh, eventually I realized that you could do other things with this money. So as I Went through school, I was able to pay for my university education without going into debt. And then after I graduated from that and started earning more as an engineer, I realised like, wow, this is a really big surplus. So I got into simple investing and stacking all that money up. And eventually that became enough to just live off passively for life. So how did Mr Money Mustache know that he'd be safe to
2: retire on his savings and investments at the age of just 30? Well, he has a bit of a formula you can follow.
1: If you want to be able to live for the rest of your life uh, on a fixed chunk of money, just living off of the passive investment gains it gives you, you need roughly 25 times your annual spending. So your FIRE
2: number is the amount you need to have in investments. And let's be clear, it is not 20 times your annual salary, but 25 times your annual expenditure. So the less you spend, the easier it will be to hit your goals.
1: Spending is part that's within our control and um, it's, it's something you can change starting today. So the first thing, if you're not already doing it, is start tracking your spending and figure out where the money is going on each different category, including groceries and housing and food and transportation, and get all that figured out. Having found creative ways to cut your annual spending bill,
2: how do you calculate your FIRE number?
1: So just to give a quick number, if you have like 20,000 annual spending, whether it's pounds or dollars, multiply that by 25, and that's 500,000 that you'd need in investments, very roughly. Um, And if you have a 40,000 spending rate, then you'd need a million invested.
2: When you hit that
1: number, in theory, work becomes optional, as you should be
2: able to generate an income from your investments that's roughly equivalent to your annual expenditure. Followers of FIRE call this the 4% rule and aim to withdraw no more than 4% of their savings pot per year. The logic behind that is if you have saved 25 times your annual expenditure and each year you only withdraw 4%, because your index fund investments should be growing at the same rate roughly, you won't deplete your savings too much.
1: If you flip the math around backwards, another way to think of it is how much of your income are you able to save and how many years of that savings will it take you to reach that big magic number? So traditionally, they teach us to save like five or 10 or maybe 15% of our income. And that does work, but that's what gets you to a retirement age of around 65 years old, which was depressing to me because I'm still far from 65. And oh my goodness, I can't believe how much i I'm glad not to be in an office job even now at 46 years old.
2: All right, Pete, don't rub my nose in it.
1: So anyway, 50% savings rate is kind of where I set the initial bar. And it's quite possible for people of many, many income levels, even much lower income levels, to be able to save 50% if you think about it the right way.
2: Impressively, teachers Rory and Amy are currently saving 50% of their income. But they could hit their targets much sooner if they were saving 50% of a much bigger salary. Playing devil's advocate and looking at those numbers, sliding the rule around, they know that if they maybe quit teaching, retrained in a higher earning profession, they'd be able to hit their um, fat fire number, as they call it, quite a few years
1: earlier. When I hear this description, if that's really accurate, that they enjoy their jobs and they're they're satisfied with these jobs, well, that's the goal. I mean, when you reach financial independence at the end of this fun um, sprint, the exactly, that's exactly what you're going to do. You're going to occupy your days with satisfying work and without regard for the pay. So if they're lucky enough to already have a job like that, and it, and it does pay at least enough to do some savings and enjoy their lives, then congratulations, that's a very sustainable Thing to do, And maybe it'll take a little longer until their official spreadsheet and their investment accounts reach this magic number of financial independence. But who cares if you're enjoying the journey at the time?
2: What about that other big variable in their FIRE number? The cost of sending their young son to a fee-paying school? They think that that is a worthwhile investment, that education is worth spending money on. But clearly, it's not cheap. If they sent him to a free school in the UK, then... Technically, they could you know, get on their early retirement journey several
1: years earlier. Exactly. I think that's a really good thought process. And as long as you think of everything as having two sides instead of being emotionally bound to only one side of the consideration, then you're doing your job as a, a frugal person and you'll still end up probably being able to save as much as you need. So the kids example is great um, if they've considered the regular schools and like visited them and met the teachers and principal and maybe talked to other parents and kids who go to the school and then say, well, that's not that's really not for Rory. That's not for us. Um, and then they do the same thing with the private school and determine that it is much better and it's worth the money. Then that's great.
2: Another thing that impresses Pete about Amy and Rory is that they have started on their fire journey early in life.
1: If they're starting out right now, things only tend to get better as your life goes on because they figure out little optimizations, or maybe, or maybe you get a promotion and earn more in your job or take on some tutoring. So all these things tend to get better as you go through your, your 30s, for example.
2: One eventuality that any investor should be prepared for is the impact of a stock market crash. Before I said goodbye to Mr Money Mustache, I asked him whether this could pour cold water on the FIRE philosophy. If you were one of the naysayers of the investment world, you might say people who are looking to get into it today with the market so high, why would they be doing that? And in particular, people looking to invest in index funds, which are going to track the ups and downs of the market. Would it be better to follow a different strategy? But FIRE has always maintained you know, the low cost index fund is your friend. And I just wondered if anyone can put up a um, a very robust defense um, to these arguments, these worries, it would be you, Mr. Money Mustache.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually contributed to a book a few years ago that's called The Simple Path to Wealth um, by J.L. Collins, and he lays it out in kind of a nice way. So, the little slogan that he has is that the stock market always goes up. And it's true that it wiggles on the way up and down, but if you look at a graph of the index of stocks and especially find a a graph that includes dividends being reinvested because dividends are a key part of owning companies and the the returns that you get as an owner. Um, It just goes up. Obviously, investing is risky. But Pete
2: stresses that over the long term, drip feeding money into the market over time will help smooth the impact of any bumps in the road.
1: And as the you know, fluctuations continue over the time and you continue to invest, you get the average price as time goes on. And um, yeah, you'll, you'll make slightly less if you buy in at these higher price to earnings ratios, but it's still going to be the best game around. Like it's the best way to invest. You can't guess which companies are going to outperform in the long run. And even worse, you absolutely cannot guess when there's going to be a stock market crash and when it is the right time to buy. That's that's kind of a proven losing strategy.
2: Another aspect of FIRE, which I find really interesting, is that its teachings and community seem to be based on a kind of collaborative, collective knowledge, albeit with a few key podcasters and bloggers, like Mr Money Mustache leading the charge. Lots of FIRE followers exchange tips and learn about FIRE on online forums. In the UK, this includes Facebook groups and subreddits. Which brings me on to my next guest.
4: So my name's Christian Danielson. I am 29 years old uh, and I manage the subreddit, uh, which is Fire UK.
2: Just like Mr Money Mustache, Christian got into the savings habit at
4: an early age. As I grew older, I was looking for people to talk to about this and I found that there wasn't really anyone in my real life that I could do that with. So I, I looked online and fortunately for us, America, they have a, a lot of snappy acronyms and after a bit of googling i found fire financial independence retire early and that really spoke to me but i found that the majority of people online talking about it were these people that have got a massive following they've got a massive blog and they're making 10,000 pounds a month from that from their their blog or something like that and so i wanted to have kind of a working man's voice on it a group where real people could come together and discuss the actual real issues that, that affect us. Not, well, what can you do with your 17th home? But how can you better maximise your pension? Or where would you uh, put your money in if you were wanting to have a stock and share ISA? And so that's how I came to essentially manage this group.
2: Under lockdown, FIRE has become an even hotter topic, with millions of people amassing for savings and getting into the investment habit. The subreddit is getting over 100,000 views a month, up from just 5,000 when Christian first got started.
4: I think that's a really positive thing. People are taking a really active interest in in their financial well-being and I support anyone that wants to do that.
2: And one of the most discussed topics on the Fire UK subreddit, the 4% rule. We talked about this with Mr Money Moustache, but here is Christian's take.
4: If we're going to assume that an index fund is going to grow, on average, in the long term, over a very very, very long period of time, 7%, Well, we can split that into two different uh, funds almost. We can say 3% and 4%. So the 3%, we're just going to throw that away. And that's our hedge against inflation. So our pot's going to grow by 3%. The 4%, though, is the bit that we're really interested in because that's the part that's going to pay us our salary. And that's what we're going to get every single year out of it is kind of realized returns. So if you wanted to know what you uh, uh, of how much you would need in this nest egg to get your salary, all you would need to do is times that number that you want per year by 25. It's as simple as that.
2: The only caveat I'd add is that because you can never predict what the stock market will do next, these kinds of rules are not guarantees. After the market plunge we saw at the start of the pandemic, for example, financial advisors were urging clients to pause withdrawals while markets were low. So future flexibility may well be required. And how about adding the potential cost of care into the savings equation?
4: If we're looking specifically at Rory and Amy's situation, if they've achieved that point where they've got their big lump sum, let's say everything goes well, they hit their fat fire number. They've got £30,000 of today's money adjusted for inflation coming in every single year. By the time when it comes to care... I think it's a pretty reasonable assumption to say that £30,000 annually, adjusted for inflation, will cover those expenses. If, in the unfortunate circumstance, that, that £30,000, in addition to any pension they're receiving, any support that they get from the state, if that's not going to cover the full amount of that care, well, fortunately for them, they've got this big nest egg that they've accumulated in their life that has been paying them a salary, and they can start to dip into that. And it may mean that the next year they only generate £29,000 in salary, and the next year they only generate £28,000 in salary. But I would suggest that they're probably not going to need to pay for that care before they run out of money. And if they did run out of money, then the state will look after them.
2: Plus, they could always sell their home in the future if needs be. Anyway, Christian says that you shouldn't get hung up on these numbers, counting the years until you retire, or even retiring at all. The fire movement is about more than this
4: for me in the fire acronym financial independence retire early the, the fi part is by far and away the most important and the retire early well that's just something that you can choose to do or choose not to do now if rory and amy can get to the point where they've hit, hit their fire number and they've got you know that that big nest egg coming in well they have the choice between do we want to retire early or If they enjoy teaching, they can continue to do that for the fun of it or the love of it. Or they could choose to write that novel that they've always been thinking about. Or they could choose to help out in a charity. So
2: should they give up teaching and chase a higher paying career so they could hit that fat fire number sooner?
4: I think the fact that they teach tells us a lot about them as people. You don't go into teaching for the money. You go into teaching for the love of giving back, for the love of helping those kids and seeing them develop over a long period of time. But if they were wanting to train into something that they felt would be a little bit dry, I would suggest that that's probably not as good of a move as what they would think. When when we talk about fire and whenever you, you see fire in the media, you'll tend to find the people that take things to the extreme. The people that are living in their bathtub and they're renting out the two bedrooms in their house just to eke out that extra little bit of income. But though we want to achieve the destination of fire, ultimately, I think the journey is just as important. And if you're kind of burning yourself out on the journey, I would suggest that you're probably going to drop off. You're not going to like your life and you won't stick to it.
2: So what did Amy and Rory think about what our experts have to say? So Rory and Amy, are you pleased that I got Mr. Money Moustache for you? Yes. <laughs> We do actually
3: read his blog whenever it comes out, so that was quite exciting.
0: Yes, we did have a moment.
3: Yeah, we, we really enjoyed what he was saying. Uh, a lot of it was reinforcing what we thought. I was quite surprised uh, he was okay with the private school thing because a lot of what I've read from him before um, has been to, to look towards the, the free schooling
2: Yeah, I mean, it was interesting, but he seems to think if you've evaluated your options and you can justify that it's worth the money, then whether it's private school or a car or any other kind of expense upgrading your house, then it's kind of worth it. It's just don't do things blindly and spend the money without thinking.
3: Yeah, I feel quite validated.
2: <laughs> yeah, I agree. And it's good that he
0: mentions that he he himself started off on autopilot with big purchases and, and paying for things, but now he can pay for things without being in debt. And I think it's the same thing with the private schooling, is that we're not just doing it on autopilot because it looks great. We've looked at all the options and thought that's the best for us son.
2: Great. Well, let's move on to Christian. I know that you're fans of the subreddit on UK Fire, and I thought he had some really good points to make. About the rules and why we shouldn't get hung up on them,
0: yeah, agreed. I agreed, and I mean, with the prospect of paying for future care, I think there's enough, as he was saying, that there's enough safeguards in place to make sure that even if we did drain our nest egg and our money that we've accumulated that at least then there will be things in place that are able to pay for our long term care, which I thought was really important.
2: before I let you go, do you feel more confident? To so keep going with your FIRE journey after coming on the podcast.
3: Yeah, definitely. I feel quite affirmed by um, Mr Money Mustache um, and also by Christian. So we're, we're quite happy with, with where we're at.
0: Yeah, I'm happy. I think the key thing here is that the journey is just as important as the destination and that as much as we're saving as much as we can, ready to be financially independent and to hopefully retire early, it's that we're going to enjoy it along the way and change as many lives as we can for the better.
2: And what would be your message to anyone listening to the podcast who's never heard of FIRE before and is thinking, actually, I quite like the sound of this? I think the best thing
0: to do is, is read. Read as much as you can. There's some great blogs out there. Mr Money Mustache has been mentioned. There's other great blogs in the FIRE UK community. Um, read through those, get to grips with it. I would advise make sure you're confident about what you're doing before you jump in, but it is well worth the experience and your future self will thank you for it.
3: I'd say you never regret starting either. No one's going to get five years down the line and go, oh, I really wish I hadn't saved £100,000.
2: That's it for Money Clinic this week, and we hope you like what you've heard. If you did, spread the word, leave us a review. And if you would like to chat with me on a future episode, get in touch. You can email me. Our address is money at ft.com or DM me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm at Claire B. Money Clinic was produced in London by Persis Love. Our executive producer is Howie Shannon. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner and all of the original music is by Metaphor Music. And finally, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. That's the small print over and done with. See you back here soon. Goodbye.